Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. We're considering Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 24. It's the pinnacle of the book of Hebrews. The author shares with us the images of two places that are contrasted. The place you arrive at when you follow the law to get to God and the place God brings his redeemed people to by the free gift of grace. One is a place of dread and distance from God, the other one of great rejoicing and fellowship. If you have Christ as your Savior and Lord, you've arrived at one of those places. Guess which one? There's a sound of a trumpet. Exodus 19, 19 tells us that the trumpet got louder and louder and louder, and it signaled for a long period of time. This is not one of the individuals in the camp getting on the side of a mountainside and blowing a ram's horn. This is the trumpet of angels blowing, announcing the appearance of God the judge upon the mountain who is going to declare his laws. And as it gets louder and louder, the people become more and more fearful until they're quaking. After all of this, we're told in Exodus chapter 19, that God calls Moses up onto the mount. And as Moses comes up on the mount, Moses arrives in God's presence. And then God says, go back down from the mount and tell the people not to step a foot on this mountain or they'll be destroyed. Don't let any animal come upon this mount or the animals themselves will be destroyed in my holy presence. Moses goes back down to the mount. And there, as he goes back down the mount to warn the people to stay away, which by the way, I doubt he had to do. If we read in Deuteronomy chapter 5, you'll see that the people are fleeing from the mount. They're moving back from it. And as he gets down from the mount, God speaks. If you've ever considered the giving of the Ten Commandments, you've oftentimes had in your mind that Moses was up on the mount and God was giving dictation to Moses. And Moses was remembering all the things. These dictation went down and told the people. And then eventually, God brought Moses back up. And this time, instead of God just giving dictation, God wrote out all those commandments on stone tablets and sent them down another time. But actually, that's not what happened. The first time the law is given, it's after Moses goes down from the mount to warn the people not to come up, and God speaks. And God speaks to all the people, and they hear God's commandments being given to them. And So when you read the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 or in Deuteronomy chapter 5, for a moment, put yourself and project yourself to the first time that those commandments were heard. They're heard at the base of this furnace mountain, shaking and trembling. And after the sound of the blast of the trumpet of judgment, and then the voice of God booms from the mountain, declaring these words. And the people cry out after they hear the words of this commandment, saying, Moses, don't let God speak to us anymore or we'll die. Let him tell you. Get this word from him and then tell us. Because they realize they can't abide the voice of God speaking to them. They're terrified by the sound of His voice. The law and the command of God is so terrifying and so horrific that it drives them away from God and it distances them from God and God's holiness is revealed before them. And they see that this law is so exact in its counting that even beasts who are not moral creatures cannot draw near to God without being destroyed when He reveals Himself and His judgment and His power. 
And if beasts who are not moral beings cannot draw near to God as he reveals his judgment and his power, how can they, moral beings, who choose day in and day out to do the right thing or the wrong thing and regularly choose to do the wrong thing, how can they ever come before this judge, this holy judge? And so they're trembling, and the Bible actually tells us in this passage that they're not trembling only, but that Moses is trembling also. You can imagine Moses as he's called up to the mount, shaking all the way up in the presence of God. So let's make some applications of this first place. Now let me just say this, that the law of God and the commandments of God reveals the sinfulness of people, and the law of God reveals the holiness and justice of God and His judgments. And actually, that is all by itself that it can reveal. It reveals God's holiness, it reveals God's justice, and it reveals your sin. The person who thinks that they can approach God by keeping the law, by being good, by establishing their own credentials of righteousness, fails to comprehend the significance that's being communicated at Mount Sinai when the law is given. The law is given to make us realize that you're before a judge that you can never satisfy, who you fall before in fear, who is holy in every way, and that you are drastically unholy in every way, and that you must keep your distance from him. Or you'll be destroyed on the basis of the law. Actually, the people before the Lord revealed himself at Sinai were told to keep themselves clean. And so for three days, you'll read that they washed themselves and cleansed themselves and tried to remove from their lives anything that was unholy or anything that was inappropriate. And men didn't go near their wives for three days. And they set a bound around the mountain to make sure that no one would sneak up on the mountain to prepare themselves to meet with God at the base of the mountain. And having done everything that they could to prepare themselves, when God revealed himself, they were filled with dread. They'd done everything they thought they could do. They could shine up their life as much as they could. And when God revealed themselves, how incomplete and insufficient was the cleansing they had provided for themselves. And they were filled with dread. They discovered that God was a judge to be dreaded and to be approached only at a distance because of their own sinfulness. You cannot approach God by keeping the law The law proves that you can't approach God by keeping the law because no one can keep the law. You break it. You're left to say we cannot endure what has been commanded to us. Here's another thing as an application. The law forces us to say, once we realize this, God, give us someone who can come between us and you so that we're not destroyed. God, speak to us through a mediator. Have somebody else stand in our place. Somebody who can speak to us and speak on your behalf so that we can keep our distance and be safe. Let them stand in our place. Let me also say something about this. The Jews seem to have forgotten the lesson of Sinai. They went from that place to develop God's instructions that were given to them on the mountain and a whole system of worship. And that system was meant to reinforce the very idea that God revealed to them on Mount Sinai that they could never approach God by the law, but somehow it got inverted or twisted, and they thought, if we just follow all these laws, if we do all these things, we can approach God. In fact, God can't deny us. If we just keep things happening the way they should be happening and we follow all these laws, in fact, we just need to study them more and more so we can be more meticulous in following them, every little impulse, every little thing. And so by the time the Lord Jesus came, the reigning thought in Judaism was... Phariseeism and the development of all the minutiae of the law 
so that they could come into the temple and they could lift their heads up before God and say, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other sinners because I follow the law. And that's what they thought they'd achieved in Judaism. They had forgot the very message and lesson that was to be learned at Mount Sinai. Actually, Jerusalem, the city where the temple was, was not really a reflection of the heavenly Jerusalem that God is preparing us for that we're going to consider, but it really is a reflection of Mount Sinai. It was an ongoing case study of what God revealed of Himself, of His wrath and His justice and His holiness and man's sinfulness at Mount Sinai when He gave the law. Go to Galatians for a second. Go to Galatians chapter 4, verses 24 through 26. Paul is going to make this very argument that... Jerusalem that the Jews want to gather to where the temple is and all the rituals is actually just an extension of Mount Sinai where the law is given and men are in a sense bound up and reveal that they're enslaved to their own sin because the law is given to them. I want to read you verses 24 through 26. I'm going to edit it a little bit, not just only because I don't want to explain to you all the detail, but if you'll follow me, you'll see that what words I leave out don't in a sense deny the basic force of this passage. And so just listen to what it says here. Follow along with me. You'll see, in a sense, I'll give a little break and you'll see the words that I leave out. It says this, which things are symbolic, for these are the two covenants. And by the way, the covenants are the covenant of law given at Mount Sinai, where you follow these laws, you obey all these laws, and you can come before me. And the covenant of grace that's given to us on the Mount of Calvary, where Jesus died for our sins. For which things are symbolic? For these are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. Those who want to go back to Jerusalem are still at Mount Sinai in bondage to the law. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. There's a juxtaposition of these two places. One is the place of the law where there should be trembling and a drastic sense of your sin and distance from God. And the other is a free gift that comes down and makes itself a mother to you of God's grace and God's freedom. And those are the two things that Paul is pointing out in Galatians chapter 4, verses 24 through 26. Coming to God by way of the law only leads to bondage and fear. The law was to introduce us to our sins And to introduce us to the fact that there is no way to come to God except by the way God provides as a free gift. And the Jews who wished to stay in the temple in the place of going after Christ were going to the dread place of Mount Sinai where they begged for God not to speak to them lest they be destroyed. Instead of going on to the place that God had brought them to and wanted to bring them to, which was freedom and life in His presence through Jesus Christ. Let me say one other thing about this, and it's this. We're going to talk about the place that we've arrived at, that Jesus brings us to. But before we talk about it, let me just say this, that before you can come to the place, this new Jerusalem, this city of God that's going to be revealed to us by the author of Hebrews, you first have to come to Mount Sinai. You really do. You have to come before the law. You have to come before God as a judge. We'll read on past verse 24 in Hebrews, and we'll find out that God hasn't changed. He still is a consuming fire. He still is a judge of all men. But... You can meet him in a different way and in a different place. That's what's being shared with us here. But before you can go to that place where you can meet with God and enjoy him and know him and know and appreciate the joy of his presence and the release of his presence, even though he's the judge, you have to come to Mount Sinai. 
You have to be brought by the Spirit of God to see that you're a sinner, that you cannot fulfill the law of God and you can't come to God by your own efforts. You have to come to that place of utter failure and ruin where you see God's terrible holiness and your drastic unholiness and you see that your sin drives you from the presence of God and you have to cry out in the presence of a holy God, somebody speak in my behalf. Somebody come between me and him lest I be destroyed. God led Israel to that place. And when God brings a person to himself to believe in him as Lord and Savior and receive his salvation, God brings him to Mount Sinai still. And there the Spirit of God shows us our sin and our desperate need of the Savior. There the Spirit of God opens our eyes to see how holy, holy, holy God is. And the Christian sees his sins and is deserving of God's wrath. And he cries out for mercy and grace and for a mediator to stand in his place. And he's given Jesus as an answer. And they come to Christ And in that moment, Christ takes them to a totally different place altogether. Not a place that you can get your hands on and not a place that you can get to by your own two hands working and laboring, but a place, a place where you're saved and you're secured and you're resting in Him. Let me now have you take your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Let me emphasize to you that this passage again reveals the juxtaposition of these two places and the experience of coming before these two places. And that verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2 really reveal the experience that comes upon an individual when by the Spirit of God they're brought before Mount Sinai and the law and God's holiness and the revelation of who God is. And then verses 4 on reveal the great relief and the great joy and the great position that's achieved when God brings us into His new Jerusalem, into His, His own city of salvation. Please join us in our next broadcast and we'll begin here, comparing Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 with Hebrews chapter 12 verses 18 through 24. Until then, thanks for listening to the ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our work, go to breadoflifeboise.org. For now, God bless you.